Hi, I'm Sabrina Soto. I believe the best conversations are with friends who are really able to open themselves up and share their lives, both the good parts and the bad. You're going to be listening to some of those candid conversations and hopefully gaining some insight to help you redesign your life from the inside out. Hey guys, this week's guest is Matthew Pates. He is a personal development coach, basically a life coach. We've been working together for a little while now, and I just love his style. He gets to the bottom of why you continue to do things that no longer serve you and how much your childhood really has to do with it. And what I love most about him is that he is super transparent about his own life and his own struggles which really empowered me to be way more transparent with the people in my life. We talk about self-worth, how life is a team sport, it's okay to ask for help, and quite frankly, a lot of us need it. So let's get started. Thank you so much for spending time here at the Soto House. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about self-worth because lately, it's been such a word in my life, Mm -hmm. and it's affecting, I think, every category of my life. Mm -hmm. Where I used to think I have really high self-worth, I'm starting to realize I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of want you to talk through how that changes in someone's life and how to really work on it. Because truthfully, I've, I really don't know how. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I was just telling my friend this. I remember in high school, my self-worth was so high that I used to think that even a movie star like Tom Cruise, like if he ever met me, he'd want to marry me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a matter of time that duh. I meet. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and now I don't feel that way at all. And I think a lot of people are um, shocked to hear that because I carry myself, especially on mm-hmm. social media, like I'm the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. But inside, I don't feel that way. So first off, how how can you shift your self-worth to feel just better. And so, when it, so when it comes to self-worth, this is something that we can all identify with. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background, what your status, you know, income level, physical appearance, none of this matters. It doesn't. No, and it's quite interesting, you know, when you think about people that have certain things that are like, oh man, if only I had that, if only I looked at, it's actually the fact that they have that makes them more insecure. Why? Well, there's several reasons. I mean, Again, first, let me go back and, and lay down some groundwork here. So, um, you know, between the ages of zero to six, you develop over 60% of what you believe to be true about yourself as a human being and the world around you. Mm-hmm. So by the age of six, you have already uh, formed a belief system, the majority of your belief system that, uh, you know, what you're worthy of, what relationships look like based on the, the environment in which you were raised, um, what you're worth financially, uh, you know, are you allowed to speak up? Are you not? Like, there's so many things that we inherently learn during this phase in our lives that um, set the tone and uh, to develop the patterns in which control us subconsciously as adults, right? So how does this play into it? Well, let's also think about the ages of zero to six. We are 100% dependent on all of our caregivers for every single one of our needs, both emotionally and physically. Right. Right. So during the age in which we are developing our strategies of survival, right, and strategies of survival is self-worth, is, you know, confidence, self-esteem, like that's all part of it. So during the the time where we're developing the foundation for those things, we're also 100% dependent creatures 
on others. And what do you That's learn? That's not fair. It's, it's, it, we're really, we're walking contradictions right. is what human beings are. So, uh, so anyway, going back to that, that statement. So we're 100% dependent during the years that we're also developing the foundation of our, uh, our self-esteem, our belief. Well, what we learned during that time is if I act a certain way, I get approval. If I act a certain way, mom says she's proud of me. If I act a certain way, you know, dad claps for me and celebrates me. You know, if I'm quiet at the table, I'm a good girl, I'm a good boy. You know, uh, if all these things, so it's love and survival is performance-based. Right. Right? So if you develop a pattern around performance to meet all of your emotional and physical needs, how do you think that looks when you are, you know, in the school play Mm -hmm. and going on job uh, interviews and, you know, uh, worrying about your appearance if you're as attractive as the other person? You know, are you as athletic as the other guy on the team? Or are you as smart as the other girl that is, you know, in the class? We are quite literally conditioned to uh, equate performance to self-worth. Right. Right? Because that's how we learn how to gain significance, validation, connection, um, love as children. Our, our literal, our physical survival. Like if I'm bad, I get, I get sent to my room and I don't get dinner, mm-hmm. right? If I'm good, I get dinner and a treat, right? right? So literally, I perform to eat, right? Like you know, in so many of our cases, and you know, that's where first it's it's better to understand that low, the feeling of low self worth, the feeling of uh, low confidence, is not a sign of weakness, and it's not a sign that you're broken. It's biology Mm -hmm. literally it's your biology at work that is designed perfectly to keep you alive so what does low self-worth actually protect you from and is this a quiz maybe okay (laughs) will they stare at you without blinking (laughs) what's happening um but if you think about it what does low self-worth keep you from it 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 shows it so you don't um you know uh, ask for the raise when you deserve it. You don't, um, you know, step out and create uh, the career or the art or, um, you know, tell someone that you love them that you never have. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't do things because you're afraid of rejection, of rejection, right? And what is rejection at its core? Abandonment. Right. If you're, if you are an animal in the wild and you are abandoned by your pack, you are low hanging fruit. Watch Discovery Channel. Yes. The one that gets left behind is the one that gets eaten. Right. Humans are pack animals. So the fear of abandonment, of not being, not getting um, equal approval from your peers, equal meaning I'm trying to get 100% of you to like me right now because if, if, if I do that, I feel safe. But if one person doesn't like the way I look today, I feel abandoned. Right. If I'm abandoned, I'm, I'm the one that gets left behind the pack for the, you know, the predator to get me. Right. So it's literally your biology that you're coming up against. The so does everyone have fear of abandonment? A billion percent. Really? Yeah. Everyone? It's instinctual because, again, as a pack animal, the uh, the tighter the group, the 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 stronger uh, the likelihood, the higher the likelihood that you'll survive. All of you, mm-hmm. right? Like you look at look at nature, right? We're just highly evolved animals. That's all it is. You know, there's. Um, and I guess some people have fear of abandonment, but then they don't get involved in relationships because they'd rather just not have, they, they're worried about the rejection or that happening, that mm-hmm. they just stay alone. Yeah. It's safer. Hmm. 
right? Even, and this is the thing. So something else that I often talk about is uh, as far as like our survival patterns, you are inherently wired, hardwired to fear the unknown, right? Again, as an animal, imagine way, 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 way back in, in, in our ancestry, you know, we leave the cave and we're going to go look for food. And, you know, all of this land is brand new to us. And we, we go and we find some berries. They're bright. They're cute. They're, they're, they got my attention. But we've never seen these berries before in our lives. So we, you know, pick them up and, you know, like the oranges you have in the front. And we, you know, bring them back to the pack and everyone eats it. There's a high likelihood that there's a catastrophic consequence for eating something you've never had before. Right. right. Think about it back then. Poisonous, this, that, and the yeah. other. So eating something that you've never seen before equals death. Right. Right. Same goes if we're still out in these woods and, you know, again, we're hunting and we come across an animal we have never seen. We know nothing about. We are unaware of what that animal is capable of doing. So just the unknown leaves us at a, uh, leaves our survival at th- in threat. Mm-hmm. So you are biologically hardwired to fear anything that you have never experienced. So that affects your self-esteem? Of course. Let's, right. let's fast forward now to our world today, right? So we, in our, our day and age in 2020, our physical survival as a, as a species, our physical survival has never been more guaranteed than it currently is. Medical advances, abundance of foods and whatever. I mean, we can argue all the diseases and more stuff, obviously. But our physical survival has never been more guaranteed than it currently is. So we now have created space in our brains and our minds to um, fear other things, right? If we know where we're going to eat every day, like when we wake up and you're like, it may not be what I want, but I got cold pizza in the fridge, so I know I'm going to eat. Sorry. We've talked about this. <laughs> she's told me, she's like, you really need to learn how to cook. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we can guarantee, like, we can, even if it, even if we're, you know, hard up on money, like, there's a, a high likelihood we can find something to eat somewhere, right? right? Like, even if it sucks and it's difficult and it's and whatever. So our food needs are primarily met to a guarantee. Um, you know, we, our survival, like, we have a home, you know, shelter, all that stuff. Our basic needs are essentially met, guaranteed. So now, what do we fear? Same, and biology is still running the show. We fear things like abandonment. Mm -hmm. We fear things like, um, again, the unknown. So how does this show up in our life? Well, let's say during the age of zero to six, you, um, you know, you never felt connection, right? Well, that's unknown to you now. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, you're an adult, you're in a, you fall in love with the, the person I'm supposed to be, and you begin to experience levels of intimacy you've never, ever experienced before. Well, now you have created a bond that feels like if it leaves, you're going to die. Right. Right. How many times are you like, I can't do it without them? Yeah. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. As much as, you know, it if feels, I had a nickel yeah. for every time I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you could hire me a chef. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it makes sense when you think about, the, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, a partner enters the picture and it's, it's all the good things. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I have something that I could lose that could end me. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's safer? Trust that it won't go anywhere or the unknown. Right. Or stick with what's familiar. You know, your, your hardwire, your nervous system is literally designed to keep you alive. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. So 
what keeps you alive is the known, even if the known isn't what's best, right? Your brain and your nervous system does not care about joy, fulfillment, happiness, success. It doesn't care. Those are experiences of um, safety. Right. Those, the, you can only experience those emotions uh, when you feel safe. Right. Right. When you are in survival mode, which is predominantly what most of us are in most of the time, all you care about is survival. So love, connections, uh, you know, intimacy, all of those things are only experienced when you feel safe. Mm -hmm. But if the sheer presence of someone that you feel that connected to feels like uh, they could abandon me and if they abandon me, I'm dead, mm -hmm. then you're going to push that away. You're going to sabotage it. Right. Because right? it's safer. So sticking with what's known, let's just go home and, you know, have the bottle of wine. Let's call the girls. Let's let's watch the the Bachelor, whatever it is, and like talk about other people's relationships for a while because that makes me feel safe. Right. All is that better for your romantic future? Of course not. Maybe not, but it's safer. Right. Right. And if you're just sitting on default, right. right? So anyway. So then. Okay, so then if you're if you're constantly in survival mode and you're mm -hmm. always in safe mode of I'm just going to stay in with the girls and watch the bachelor mode, mm -hmm. then does creating or choosing those nights over and over start dwindling down your self-worth? Well, they confirm that you you're not worthy. Is what it is. It confirms. Yeah. So, you know, inherently we will so whatever your belief system is, right? So, again, 0 to 6, you believe you, you learn um, at the dinner table when you had something really exciting at school come up and, and you like come in shouting like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And, and your parents are like, shh, shh, like stop, don't yeah. talk. You're at the dinner table. You know, what a child may experience in that is I'm not worthy of being heard. Mm -hmm. My excitement doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. My joy disrupts the family, right? Is it logical? No, but a child meant that it isn't, is, it's not logical. And by the way, we can change this which we'll get to okay because i know every parent is like oh my god I'm i've like, ruined my child you're talking i'm no. like oh my god am i ruining olivia did no, i tell no. her to be quiet the other day <laughs> no but there's a reason why we establish um you know social protocol right mm -hmm. for their safety for their well-being so that they understand how to um you know develop and create friends and whatever like there's reasons for it it's understanding that as they get older and you can begin and they be, they're able to articulate their emotions more. They're able to, um, kind of identify, uh, certain experiences, allowing them to feel safe to have that versus vilify everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we don't double down on the performance piece as the only way that you get supported and heard and, and loved in this household, but rather, Oh, you had a tough, well, tell what, what was about it? That was tough. You got an F I'm, you know, what tell me what's so hard about this class versus you're not allowed to get an F you're so stupid you're right. blah 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 you know how embarrassing that is to me right so the problem is most people and and this is everyone by the way there's no one please we've talked like I've got some stuff yeah. like you know what I mean like there's you've got some, some baggage we've got some things the you, you know, actually have freight <laughs> thank you <laughs> sorry oh I appreciate that oh my god I'm just... really self-worth <laughs> um <laughs> I know. Well, uh, we'll just keep going. <laughs> um, I, there's so many jokes I want to make right now. Uh, but no, so when you think about, like, again, it's not that one person is better than the other. Even if they appear as if, or even if they're, they're uh, practicing 
improvement every day. Like that doesn't mean that they're never failing or that their life is perfect. And it's like, oh, of course that's easy for you. Or like, who are you to tell me kind of thing, but rather, you know, understand that we are all in like life is a team sport. Mm -hmm. Healing is a team sport. True. Um, you know, leveling up team sport, success team, everything's a team sport. So, but we all are conditioned to think that we need to do it on our own and we can't. Yeah. In, in our culture, we've often, uh, well, this is, it's a protection thing too, but we've often, uh, um, celebrated this like hustle culture, this I'm, I'm self-made. So busy. Yeah. I'm so busy. How about you, how about you become less busy and more efficient? Right. Right. What would that do to your to your productivity, right? Instead of, you know, you're like, oh my God, I'm so busy. Well, let's look at your screen time and your phone. What does right. that say? Right. Yeah. What app has the most? Ooh, mine's Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Wait, go back to telling when you said that sometimes when you achieve the success and you get all of this stuff is when you actually have still l- lower self-esteem because my friend, mm-hmm. my husband, mm-hmm. uh, last week was saying, you know, I see you and you have all of the things, mm-hmm. the success the family, all of, you know, whatever. And you still struggle with self-esteem. Like he meant it to, he meant it. I don't know how he meant it actually, but he was like, that actually makes me feel bad about my future because you have everything I want and you still don't feel great about yourself. Well, what that proves, and uh, that's a beautiful acknowledgement, but what that proves is that uh, no amount of things or um, status or whatever, even children, um, that's not going to equate to, healing and feeling fulfilled and joyful and whatever. Because here's the thing is like, uh, so oftentimes parents, um, all parents everywhere, uh, often pass down their wounds, not their wisdom. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are our, what, what surrounds our wounds? Coping strategies. We're all just living in a world of coping quite literally. And we celebrate the coping strategy, not the healing. Right. Right. Hustle, 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 hustle. Right. Coping strategy. Why, why are you hustling? Because it distracts me. From what? Well, maybe I don't want to go home. Why? Boom, boom, boom. Whether it's home, it could be anything, right? Yeah. We can go down a rabbit hole with this. But we all have them. Every single person has a coping strategy. It's when you identify that you're doing something to a degree that is impacting your life in a way that you no longer are okay with, that's when you get to adjust the approach, right? Level. It. So here's the thing about conditioning. You hear me say it all the time. Um, you're not broken, you're conditioned, right? And if you're conditioned, you can recondition. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not set in stone human beings. Like, even if your pattern has been around for 40 years, great, it's now lived its life. We can, what is it, Marie Kondo? Like, thank you, appreciate you. Yeah, no longer need you. Enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can do that whole process with it. A little longer than throwing on a T-shirt, but right. you know what I mean? Same concept. Um, but what uh, what we get to do is identify that this strategy is no longer working. So what is it that it was uh, achieving for me? Like what, what need was I being, being met through mm-hmm. this? Okay, so once that's identified, then how else can I meet this need in a way that is leading me in the direction that I want to go, right? right? Like if significance is why I work so hard, but you're also, your, your family is stressing and struggling because you're never home, Right. Right. What's a way that you can achieve significance by being present with your family? Mm-hmm. Right. And by the way, this stuff is messy. It's not like, oh, okay, I got it. Well, let's go do that now. Right. right? You're going to try it. And every, again, if, if that's unknown strategy to right. you, it's gonna your bring nervous up system is going to be like, nope, 
not allowing it. Right. Because what you're saying is you're going to enter into something unknown, into the body, unknown equals death. Mm-hmm. Even if unknown is spending more quality time with your Healthier. family. So wait, let me ask you then. So then does the self-worth start dwindling because perhaps you keep making choices that aren't uh, for your better self mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're just like in this hole mm-hmm. and you don't even know it because of just choices that you made like how does it happen mm-hmm. like how did I go from thinking Tom Cruise by the way Tom Cruise do not call me I do not want to marry you sorry no offense but <laughs> God. not that I mean like he's gonna call I'm gonna me. run with this continue PG show how do I go from Tom Cruise mm-hmm. potentially marrying me to now I'm I don't think that I'm at all like worthy. So, and I'm not like in the dumps, but yes, no, you know, know what I mean. Yeah, of course. But again, that's how it feels. Yeah, yeah. Like what we're talking, we're not talking about absolutes. We're talking about feelings, right? Right. Like human beings are not logical creatures with the ability to experience emotion. We're emotional creatures with the ability to be logical. Right. Right. Like it's it's backwards, but we assume our emotions are our enemy. Right. Right. But they're not at all like you're like feeling anxiety is like your car saying you're running low on gas. Right. It's all it is. It's a signal saying we need something. Not like, oh, this car sucks. Like, I can't believe this car is running out of gas. How dare it? And you're like, oh, you've been driving for about nine hours straight. So what do you think it needs? Right. You know, so and that's the way that we have to begin to look at our bodies and look at our emotional experiences in our lives. It's like, okay, if there's something that is really uncomfortable, something that's, ex- that's creating a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Uh, I feel depressed. You know, I, I heard, so there's a lot of statistics depending on what you read, like clinical depression, clinical depression is a very real thing, right? And that is not my area of expertise. But when you look at how um, that word is often used to describe experiences, people are d- experiencing depression. Mm-hmm. They're not clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. There's a difference, right? So I heard it that's best said, and I'm trying to remember who the, the source was, but I heard it said that all depression is, is denied expression. Depression equals denied expression. So if there's parts of our truth, parts of our, our lives that we, we want to engage with more, do more of, tell the truth about who we are as, as a human, and we know this now, but you know, our environment we feel is, is it's too scary to share that truth because right. we'll be abandoned. Right. Right. Well, what do you, if you, if you felt too afraid to share something that was true for you, what do you think that would do to your emotional experience over time? And self-worth. Wait, okay. So you've been very candid about your life and yes. And I, I, I think it's the most powerful thing ever. And because you chose to share such a vulnerable thing that happened to you, Mm -hmm. did your self-worth just like catapult after that? Absolutely. So, and and what happens is it's the thing that we try to hide and avoid that controls us. Right. Right. But when you expose it and you can do this delicately, you can do this with intention. Mm -hmm. You can create a safe space so that you can then share. Like it's not like, you know, rip the layers off immediately Mm because that's not healthy. But when we confront the things that we're insecure about, all of a sudden the power, the insecurity once held begins to fade right if not completely go away in the moment unless you're shamed right well so you have to make sure but then that gets into an environment right right? that's that's again so if 
if you are surrounded by someone that will consistently shame you, really, and what they're doing is projecting. Right. That's all it is. Projection <gasps> is reflection. It's all it so is. true. And the thing about insecurities, like I had this conversation with a client earlier today, actually, like they were devastated. Dude runs a, a, high, a very successful gym, uh, you know, fitness guy. He kills it. Like he kills it. And he ran a workshop around irony, vulnerability. And it was his first workshop on this topic. And he created a system where everyone that attended the workshop can give um, candid feedback anonymously. Mm-hmm. Right? Very brave. Mm-hmm. But very empowering. He, he got on the phone with me earlier today. And he w- when I tell you, like, this man is usually, like, up, lift, like he's, the, he's your hype man that you want with you at all times. Like, he's phenomenal. And today he was, like, shoulders forward, chin down. Like, he, hair was still perfect, but, like, he himself was, like, down. Yeah. And he began to share this with me. And what happened is he, he received two um, bits of feedback, two separate people, saying something along the lines of, I didn't get what was promised. And um, I felt like he wasn't organized or something along those lines. He was devastated. Yeah. Later find out, he's like, oh, yeah, I got, like, f- like 14 positive comments. And I'm like, <laughs> that's us. Right? But that's us. But here's the thing. Why is that us? Why do those two comments outshadow the other two? Because the feedback revealed something he believed was true. He was, ter- he was insecure that the workshop didn't deliver. He was afraid because he felt disorganized. That's not true, Matthew, because hold on. Mm-mm. I'm going to call BS here. <laughs> Beep. Watch your language. Beep, <laughs> kids listen. I, I don't think that's always the case because when I first got on TV, I was on a show on TLC called A Dating Story. This was a long time mm-hmm. ago. And back then they had message boards. Mm-hmm. And when my first show came on, I went to this coffee shop and to see what people were saying. Mm-hmm. And yes, there were nasty comments. There were great comments. But I remember one person said that my teeth were too white. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe my teeth are too white especially not now, but I did, I started crying. And so sometimes the negative feedback, even if you don't believe it still affects you. Right. But if, if you equated your teeth, not being white to you not being good enough to be on TV. Now then, you're looking at my teeth. <laughs> I'm impressed. I genuinely, thank she you. has great teeth. If you've yeah, never thank seen you. Um, and, but when you think about it, like, yes, what you're saying is, that the teeth specifically may not be the issue, but, but if you feel insecure about, like, about being you Got know it. on TV because people might notice some things about me and I'm going to be exposed and blah, blah, blah. Right. Then anybody's saying like, oh, that thing, you're like, see, they, they're on to me. You're right. Okay. And now it. we get defensive, right? Yes. In this particular case, it was the two things that he was most insecure about. Like, for instance, um, is there something that you are in, like, in just whatever comes up first, like insanely confident about? It could be... Uh, tedious task around the house like cleaning and being organized i agree um so if i were to come in here and be like this is like you can't clearly organize anything this like you're dirty this house is is dirty you're dirty like nothing like you can't clean i think you were blind right (laughs) yes doesn't affect you no in fact you start laughing you're like first off that's a weird thing to make fun of but secondly yeah like that doesn't resonate with me so like get out of my face okay right it's not an insecurity because you know for a fact that that isn't true. Okay, got it. So although I could be extremely harsh, right, and I'm holding back, I could be on like an example, but like I could be extremely harsh in my language and saying like you clearly are a mess. Look at your house. 
Like, you're like, mm, that actually isn't true. Right. Doesn't bother you. You're going to, like, kick me out and, like, continue. But when you're insecure about something. But if you feel like, but if you, but if there's a mess in the back room that you are terrified that if someone sees it, Got it. it will expose you for all of your truths. And someone comes into a room that's not even affiliated, comes in here and it's like, oh my God, like this is so messy. You're going to be like, <gasps> right. they're onto me. Got it. They're exposing me. Right? So it's that thing that we try to keep in the, in the back corner, tucked away, hide, like hid deep so no one finds, that if we are brought into connection to it, brought into relationship to it, someone gets kind of close, right? We, our insecurities flare mm-hmm. because we believe what they're saying to be true. So it hurts. Oh, man. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. We all do. <laughs> we all do. And that's the thing is like there's this is also this so personal development therapy, all these things, obviously I'm a huge advocate because it's what I do. But I also want to establish that personal development is not a performance based game. It's it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's not something to be like, okay, so here's so I'm going down the list of traumas and insecurities and, and root and cause and all that stuff. Like, no. Like, yeah, you get to identify things so that you can continue to evolve, mm-hmm. right? It's not about like, oh, I'm not a good human until, all, until that list is clean. But there are some people in this world that don't need therapy. Are there? And I think so. I think so. I mean, there has to be, right? Like, Joe and Schmo over there in the corner, they have an amazing life. I've like, heard Joe and Schmo described awfully, di- <laughs> like, very differently, by the way. People use them for a lot of analogies, and it's not, they need therapy, is my point. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, let's go back to my initial question, too, because... Oh, that part. Yeah. You mean the title of the show? (laughs) (laughs) So, how do you start working on your Mm self-worth to to feel like you deserve whatever, the job, the raise, the partner, the house, Mm -hmm. whatever? So, I first... uh, It first comes down to understanding that the things that you feel insecure about the, the, the story in our heads that we repeat that are so negative and so like brutal, understanding that that is not confirmation that you are weak, broken, insignificant, a failure, whatever, insert all the fun things we talk about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. That is not validating those as truths. That is your literal nervous system attempting to keep you in what's familiar. Okay. It's trying to keep you safe so that you don't go explore unknowns. Okay. Quite literally. So when you understand first that that is false narrative, when you go into Daffy Duck. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Right? So Daffy Duck, for, for those to, to bring some, some clarity to that, um, one exercise that I often like to do is, you know, that voice that's in our head. Right? We, we all have it, and yeah. it's rude, like all of ours is. Negative self-talk. It's just everywhere. It's chatter all day long. You know, so first identify like where that voice exists, literally in space, like point to it if you, you know, wherever that is. And people will point to wherever it is, awfully like behind them. It's always behind, by the way. Yeah. Above and behind. Yeah. Like it's a dominating figure. Everyone feels like it's standing over them, like this daunting, scary figure, which is so fascinating. So you point to where it is, and then you, in your mind's eye, like in your imagination, you bring it in front of you for the very first time and you describe what it looks like to you. And again, it could be anything. There's no wrong answer. The sillier, the more real it probably is. I think when you did the exercise with me, mine was a witch. Yeah. 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 So you described a witch. And like, that's very real. And it's all the characteristics that you went on to describe how this witch looks and sounds and all these things. And then what you do is like, okay, so as long as that voice is still this big, bad witch, 
it's going to intimidate you. It's going to break you down. It's going to make you feel bad. So what if we took that exact um, uh, witch and turned her into a cartoon character? You know, what if she shrunk down to the size of Minnie Mouse? And she's still saying the same things, but now she's saying it like Minnie. Right. Like, does that voice have the same impact? Right. Yes. What was your experience? Yeah, Daffy, you made Daffy Duck. And so, yeah, it was, we started laughing. But I think that's, to your point, I think that that negative self-talk, because I expect perfection in my life, Mm -hmm. that the negative self-talk when I'm not perfect, because by the way, it's impossible, Mm -hmm. is what started dwindling my Mm self-esteem. And I guess, how do you, I mean, other than the stopping that, because you're never going to stop the negative self-talk. What other tools? To yeah. What other tools could people do to? Well, first, uh, just using this conversation as uh, as an opportunity to explore. You said that perfectionism is a huge part, you know, part of your story and or your your structure, and the the fact that it's impossible to meet, but you're constantly seeking it, right? Well, how long do you try to do something and it never gets met before you start losing confidence, right? Like how long? You shoot a ball at a hoop and it never goes in. You're like, maybe this just isn't my thing. I suck at this, right? Well, if you have created this belief system that you must be perfect in order to be worthy, of course you're going to have low self-esteem or or low self-worth because perfect is impossible. Right. So you literally have set yourself up to fail based on your own the rules you created for your own life, your rules. So, and using this as an example, it's like, well, let's let's restructure. Uh, what perfection means, right? Like, if perfect if perfection is impossible, then what does perfection mean to you? What are you trying to actually achieve? Mm-hmm. Being like Martha Stewart. Okay, is she perfect? Yes. Right. <laughs> she pretty much is. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, you know everything. No, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's 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 a level of expectation that will never be met. But okay, let me give you a, a real sort of scenario because I think. A lot of people have this. So let's say you go on a job interview and then you don't get the job. And that negative self-talk of like, well, you know, I'm not good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't wear the right suit, whatever. Like how, I think if you have self-worth, do you just, most people who have really high self-worth don't even think twice about it? Well, I wouldn't say they don't think twice, but I understand what you're saying. Um, I mean, again, we, we will seek to filter our worlds for confirmation. It's called confirmation bias. So if you believe you're unworthy of that job, you actually require not getting that job right? to fit your belief. Okay. Getting the job would actually disrupt everything and you would probably sabotage it because it doesn't fit your belief. Okay. Right. I'm unworthy of a relationship. A relationship shows up. What do we do? Sabotage. Sabotage, right? Because it doesn't fit your belief model. Right. So everything you believe to be true exists in your life today. or you, Because that's how this works. Like but then how do you change your belief structure? It's going to suck changing this. The answer is not in the three quick steps, too. Got it. Right? Those are, those are directions, a billion percent. But when you really get into the work, so here's the thing and how the body works. So transformation is not neck up. It's neck down. Awareness is neck up. What do I mean by this? Aha moments, mm-hmm. right? Uh, deep levels of conversation, reading a new book, watching a TED talk. Th- you're developing awareness, mm-hmm. like aha moments, right? 
But how many times have you read something, you know, it clicked and you had that moment. You're like, oh my God, I can never unlearn this now. Like this is going to change the rest of my life. And then you go out and uh, you do something that you feel is dumb or whatever. And you're like, I know better. Why can't I do better? Mm -hmm. Like how many times have you known better and not done better? Um, Every day. Every day. So it's true. No, but that's, no, it's actually beautiful. I want to, that's why I want to tackle perfectionism, but that was almost, (laughs) anyway. So when you think about that react, like I know better, why am I not doing better? Because awareness is neck up. Transformation is neck down. What, what is required of transformation? New experience, the unknown. Mm -hmm. So quite literally everything you want in your life, the only reason you don't have it yet is because it exists in the unknown. Mm-hmm. You have never been there yet. Right. So your nervous system, again, biology, not broken biology. Your nervous system says we've never experienced $100,000 a year. We're not going to allow it. It's unsafe. We're unfamiliar with it. We've never experienced a, a truly supportive, loving partner. So, we've never, so we're not going to allow it because, you know, it doesn't exist. And, you know, what's going to happen is like, oh, we're really good. Oh, when's the other shoe going to drop? Mm-hmm. Right? We start we start getting our head. And then what happens is we create an environment that will um, match our belief system. Right? Like yeah. What happens when you're with someone and he's like really good for a long time or a job's like you get, it's like, this is my dream job only to, you know, six months in, six weeks in start to be like, you know, challenge threats. This sucks. You show up late. You start not caring, whatever you start doing acts of sabotage. Uh-huh. Right. Because if you feel unworthy of the thing, until you recognize that the new experience is, in fact, safe, you will never allow yourself to achieve it. Right. It's, just, it's biology. So it's new experiences, and this is what's required in new experiences. Two things, primarily. First, safety. Mm-hmm. People don't need more confidence. When people say confidence, I want more confidence. What they're saying is I want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I want to feel like... I can, you know, step in front of this crowd of a thousand and, you know, lead a, a talk. Like public speaking is terrifying, right? But if I feel safe up there, meaning even if this goes wrong, I'm okay. Right. Like I don't like it's it doesn't judge me as a human, then I feel safe. So I'm gonna go up here even though I'm scared to death. Confidence doesn't mean the absence of fear, right? This is why it's so important to surround yourself with, be it uh, a coach, a therapist, um, you know, a mentor, you know, a colleague, whatever it is, someone that has navigated those waters before, mm-hmm. right? So it's an interesting study to make this point. Um, there was a, a study concluded back, I believe it was in 2017, the Harvard Business School. What they did is they studied um, several hundred uh, first-time entrepreneurs, right? So the very first time they're starting a business. And what they found, it took a year to, to complete the study, what they found at the end of the year is that, if I get the numbers correctly, it was like 82% of those businesses failed in the first year. We hear these statistics all mm-hmm. the time, right? The majority of those businesses, I guess it was like 70% of those businesses failed within the first three months. Now, what they discovered as why was the interesting thing. It wasn't a lack of um, the, the business owner, the entrepreneur's ability to uh, run the business. It wasn't funding. It wasn't market need. It wasn't any of those things. Again, first-time business owners. It was who they sought advice from. Wow. And when you think about when you start a business for the very first time, right? Typically, it's in an environment that, or it's in a in a, uh, a sector that is completely different than probably what your friends and family are doing, mm-hmm. right? You're starting your own business. So if you come from a nine-to-five culture, right, where money doesn't grow on trees. 
Um, you know, 401ks and insurance are the only thing that guarantees safety in life, yada, yada, yada. And you go out and you start your own business and you come back and you're like, I'm having, you know, client acquisition problems, marketing problems. Like, you know, I need to get more funding. Let's say you go to your best friend and you're talking about, you know, funding and they haven't paid their rent in three months. Right. Right. What, what kind of advice do you think they're going to give you? Right. Right. Why are you doing this? This is crazy. This is stupid. You're just going to like ruin your life. You're going to spend all your money. All they're saying is, I'm not safe doing that. Right. So you must not be. So although they're loyal to you, because these are also the people that have had your back forever, right? So they care about you. They're not qualified to support you in this. They're just not. And you think you'd be smarter than seeking advice. But the other day, I was asking a friend of mine for relationship advice. And he actually said, Sabrina, you know I've never actually been in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, duh, what am I doing? But you're right. Like Mm -hmm. that, we do that stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. So safety and qualified support. And here's the thing about qualified support. Because they've been there, they will absolutely make you feel safe. Mm -hmm. Because they know exactly what you're experiencing. They know what you're going through. They know what you're going to go through. It's like if you and I took a trip today and we went into the jungle somewhere, right? Like we're exploring the jungle. If you and I just went into the jungle by ourselves, even though this is where we've always wanted to go, it's a beautiful thing. So many Instagram pictures to be had. (laughs) We'd be like, this is exciting up until, oh no. Like we we don't know what we're doing here. Like everything is a threat. Like this is terrifying. But we go into that same juggle with a local. Are we as scared? No, of course, yeah. We have qualified support, even right. though we're still lost. So that's the beauty of feeling safe because of qualified support. So that's what is required. So when you have that, they can then identify what are the next steps. And here they are. And more importantly, I got you. Got it. So yeah. safety and qualified support are the two things that I would say must be identified um, up front in order to Uh, step into the unknown and create a life that you've never lived and that and that is the quick fix (laughs) (laughs) damn it (laughs) i did say transformation is a lifestyle right yeah it's gonna be the rest of my lifestyle and that's the beauty thing is like when you embark on lifestyle when you say okay leveling up is my lifestyle like i'm going to eat better i'm going to you know be healthier read better books all this kind of stuff because here's the other thing too talking about environments Mm -hmm. What we consume is not just conversations around food and water or food and beverage. What we consume is what's, what are you watching on television every day? Mm-hmm. What kind of um, uh, profiles are you following on Instagram? Mm-hmm. What is the information that you are filling yourself with on a consistent basis? Because if you're like, all right, I'm going to start a business, like, and this is my thing, and I'm, I, I know my purpose, and I have all these, like, you know it. And then you go home and like your downtime is watching, you know, some reality TV show that's nothing but stress and like, anxiety and blah, 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 blah. You are ingesting literally that energy. Yeah. So no kidding. You walk away from that being like, oh, I'm exhausted. Right. Like you may not consciously be aware, but you're like, oh, man, not realizing that you just spent three hours watching the Desperate Housewives of wherever. Right. And all they did was scream at each other. And you're they like, do. they really do. A, <laughs> you do not want to get me on this conversation. <laughs> On a, on a podcast that I'm not allowed to curse. Um, <laughs> but you're right. I stopped watching TV a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I used to read page six every day. And mm-hmm. I stopped doing that. And I feel a lot less anxious. 100%. So you're literally... It's, so I, know, I also don't know what the hell's going on in the world. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you'll know what you need to know. Is it's what true. I can guarantee. So uh, another topic of conversation that I love getting into. And what we're describing here is the difference between creator and consumer. Right, going back to the early childhood, right? You zero to six, you're completely dependent. You are the consumer of all of your needs. Mm-hmm. You need to act in order to receive. Mm-hmm. 
right? So if you're consuming love, you're consuming validation. This goes back to self-worth, performance. When I perform right, I get the prize. Right. I'm consuming it. The creator of those experiences, rather, imagine if you could create self-worth, if you could create confidence, right, yeah. internally. Yeah. And you always hear, like, it's the inside out. It's, the it's easy way true, to though. But it's true. You know, there's wisdom and simplicity. So when you become the creator of those things by choosing new experiences, which is the only way you can develop self-confidence, because you're embarking on something that's unknown and you realize that you got it. Got it. Now I feel like I can do anything. No, but you're right. You know, you said something to me, and this is probably another good takeaway for everybody listening. In one of our sessions, you said, what decision can you make today that's going to make yourself proud tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And making those little changes has helped me like become more confident. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good and that was great, by the way. Absolutely. And let me ask you this. What was your experience making those new changes? When you asked yourself that question, like when you're at whatever Decision. crossroads, yeah. what would I be proud of in the morning? I had to, truthfully, it was getting off of my um, hamster wheel mm-hmm. of just doing the same thing over and over that is safe because mm-hmm. it's known. I stopped and I was more aware mm-hmm. of the decision mm-hmm. and I changed it. And then the next day I was like, hey, that was cool. Yeah. Was that difficult to change in the moment? Like, was there a bit of resistance or like frustration around it at all? I don't think so. No? Okay. I mean, I think probably in some cases there were. Yeah. But um, for the most part, I felt empowered. Yeah. And that's exactly it. So that's a beautiful segue because we are, again, biologically hardwired to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Right? Emotional pain is pain. So doing something new is painful. So when you recognize, and this is why we always talk about, like it's not the elimination of the triggers, it's the relationship to the triggers that change it. So when you recognize that is doing this new behavior that I'm going to be proud of tomorrow, although it feels painful because it requires me to make a new decision I've never made in this moment, like what does that look like? Uh, The girls want to go have drinks. Uh I got something I need to focus on tonight because I have a big thing that I want to do tomorrow. But I've never said no to these girls and having drinks. Right. Right? The whole FOMO conversation. So instead of going out with the girls Mm -hmm. and making the decision to stay in and focus on the next thing tomorrow, yes, it's like, I suppose there is a little bit of resistance because you've never said no. It feels painful. Yeah, it does. So it's the relationship to that experience that gets to change, right? That gets to, instead of being the the pain validates, I'm hurting them, right? Here's another thing about boundaries. Boundaries are not other people's punishments. Boundaries are not other people's punishments. Right. You saying no is not that per- Like, I'm punishing you. Uh-huh. Right? That's how it feels. Oh, my God, I'm letting them down. Yes. Oh, my God, I'm disappointing them. Oh, my God, like, I've never said no before. They're going to unfriend me in yes. life. Yes. It's, it's a feeling because it's a new decision. Therefore, your nervous system is like, hey, what if they're no longer your friend? If they're no longer your friend, then you're not going to be accepted. If you're not accepted, then you're abandoned. If you're abandoned, then you're low-hanging fruit. If you're low-hanging fruit, you're dead. People have problems yeah. creating boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Because inherently, if we don't obey the needs of others, i.e. dependency, we will be abandoned. Yes. I don't want to be abandoned. You're not going to be. Are you I sure? got you. Yeah? <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, thank you. For more information, I'm going to put, you guys, I'll have in the notes section... Matthew's website and his Instagram because that's where you do you read your direct messages yeah I do okay don't send anything creepy you guys yeah I mean there's I was like there's some I haven't read really I'm like I don't trust opening this one (laughs) I don't trust opening up like when somebody sends me a photo 
Oh, yeah. And usually it's like decor advice. They just want like, hey, what pillow should I put? But I'm like, I'm not opening You're that. like, I've, I've, got a, I've got trauma around this, this experience. <laughs> not, I'm not falling for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's set up when I see one. Yes. Um, thank you, guys. Um, I will be back in a few weeks. Thank you, Matthew. You'll be back. Absolutely. As often as you, you wish to have. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.